This podcast is a presentation of University of California Television. Like what you hear? Consider making a donation at uctv.tv slash donate so we can continue to bring you more great programs. Thank you for the invitation and thank you uh, to the amazing Carta staff that um, helped put this uh, together. Um, so today uh, I'm going to talk about a tool to another tool an additional tool to, to study uh, human uh, comparative studies with uh, non-human primates. So there are a number of systems and models to study human evolution. You can look at the DNA. You can get genetic information by understanding and by sequencing the genome. You can look at postmortem uh, brain tissues, so you can get insights into tissue organization and brain anatomy. You can look at the fossil records, and you can look at uh, archaeological evidence. But and, and you will get uh, relevant information from all these systems. And what we, uh, over the years, what we uh, wanted to contribute to those systems uh, by uh, bringing another tool to study uh, evolution, and one way we are going to, we plan to do that is to use uh, stem cells. So we think that this is a missing link uh, to understand uh, studies uh, of evolution, and we also think that you could uh, use that to do some hypothesis validation, because now you have a live cell uh, system that you can test, ask questions, and uh, look at the, for instance, neuronal behavior. So um, how is uh, the brains of humans distinct from other primates? So just some of the differences are related to uh, number of dendritic branches. So humans have increased dendritic branching. Humans have increased spine density. So the, the protrusions that come out of the, the neurons from humans are there are more protrusions coming out, so there's more density in the spines. Humans have an enlarged cortex and also a delayed uh, maturation, so that's also called neoteny. And that has been shown in that delayed maturation in many levels. Uh, for instance, humans have slow cortical growth compared to uh, non-human primates. The cell cycle length is also prolonged, and there is um, slow dendritic spine maturation. So uh, it has been proposed that this protracted uh, development, uh, also named neoteny, uh, can be one of the mechanisms that have contributed to human-specific uh, um, traits. So another way to to look at neoteny is uh, um, looking, uh, comparing uh, humans to non-human primates. And here I'm giving an example of a chimpanzee development. So that's, uh, uh, I actually modified that from a, a graduate student that is a CARTA member, Shayla Steiner. So when uh, humans uh, uh, and, and chimps are born, uh, so, so the pregnancy time is roughly around the same. So it's about eight months for chimps, a little bit quicker, and uh, humans about nine months. Um, but when a chimp is born, it's already able to cling to mom. Uh, humans are not. Um, about three months old, uh, humans um, can hold their head up, smile, hold things, maybe hold, roll over. But chimpanzees can um, crawl, grab objects, and sometimes even um, start taking their first steps. 
at uh, about one year, chimps can climb, can walk, can collect food, and begin their first social relationships. Humans may be able to, babies may be able to walk, uh, may be able to say a few words. Um, at about three years old, chimpanzees are nest building and grooming, um, and humans are starting to run, climb, but now they're also starting to count, form sentences. Uh, and then by 15 years old, uh, chimpanzees are already having their first uh, babies, but humans uh, now have this uh, uh, even bigger myriad of things that they can uh, accomplish and can do, inc including reading, writing, math, have a vast vocabulary, and um, can also have theory in mind by then. So humans develop much slower, uh, much more slowly than non-human primates behaviorally too. So we, we wanted to use that uh, the technology, that tool, uh, to ask if there were differences that we could detect at the cellular level that would be relevant to understand uh, brain size in neuronal and neuronal maturation in humans with the idea that the differences that we would observe can be captured at the cell level. So we're using a model system here. The implications of finding differences, of detecting changes, is that we could be able to understand some differences in susceptibility to infections, to neurological diseases, and even to uh, uh, cancer and, and even other, uh, um, other things. And also... Uh, that could help uh, increase our basic understanding of the evolution of our own species. So we started that um, about 10 years ago uh, by first developing those induced pluripotent stem cells. So those stem cells that we can uh, develop from skin. So we reprogram, we change the program of a skin into a stem cell. And now that stem cell has... Uh, pluripotency, so it can, many potencies, and it can be differentiated into um, supposedly any cell in the body, including uh, brain cells, neurons, astrocytes, which are the cells that we were interested in probing. So we developed those cells from uh, humans and non-human primates, and what we did uh, uh, our first uh, question with regards to could we even observe that uh, neotenic or differential developmental timing in, in vivo, in vitro, in the culture system, we um, differentiated those cells and we looked at how they uh, um, changed uh, over time in an uh, uh, in, in vitro system. And what we uh, did that in uh, a collaboration with uh, Katarina Semendiferi's lab, and it was a, a work, uh, quantification work by, done by Branca um, in her lab, we were able to detect that uh, by measuring the sizes of the branches and the harborization of the neurons over time, we were able to uh, see that uh, when you compare chimpanzees' neurons with human neurons, they were differentiating or they were becoming more mature. They were making their branches at different rates. And what we were able to observe, and this is represented in this graph here on the top uh, uh, right, we see that chimpanzee neurons start the process of differentiating and branching like trees 
earlier on than humans, but then later on humans pick up and differentiate at a um, make more herbarized neurons. So that is uh, reproducing some of these aspects of delayed maturation in the beginning, but then reaching higher uh, levels of maturation later. So we're able to observe that in uh, uh, neuronal behavior in vitro. Then our uh, question was that in terms of function, where the, the neurons are um, cells that are very specialized, they fire action potentials, which are electrical firing that uh, they use to communicate to each other. So um, we have ways in the lab in which we can measure that activity, that neuronal activity, the neuronal conversation, how one neuron talks to the other by using um, uh, systems uh, that are detecting uh, neuronal activity by uh, extracellular voltage changes. So those are electrodes that we embed into the culture, and the neurons that grow on top of it, when they fire action potentials, when they have this electrical signaling conversation, we can detect. And so we are able to not only detect the neuronal maturation by looking at the morphology, so the number and the size of the branches, but we can also look at neuronal function, how active the culture is. And in general, uh, levels of activity, increased levels of activity are re correlated with increased maturation rates. So what we see here uh, is a, uh, um, those uh, uh, CHs are channels, so that's a, a plate. Those little dots are electrodes, and uh, those uh, blinking uh, um, sites that we see on the right top, they indicate if the neuron in the plate is firing, is detecting uh, firing or not. So by, um, by doing that and looking at each channel where a neuron is sitting and it's firing, we can detect the rate in which each channel is detecting the neuron that is firing. So every trace here is a, uh, indicating a firing uh, event. So when we compare human neurons, cultured on these different channels by listening to their activity to chimpanzees, and that's also true for bonobos, we can detect that in two weeks, chimpanzees and bonobos are firing more than humans. And um, that's uh, quantified here on the side. But later on, at six weeks, we can see here that humans are firing much more than uh, um, chimpanzees and bonobos. So we are detecting, bottom line, we are detecting this delayed maturation in both humans as well uh, uh, by um, uh, morphology, by branching, as well as by uh, neuronal activity. So our next question was, are there any genetic drivers for this um, phenomena that we are now uh, able to reproduce in, in vitro. And what we, uh, uh, the way in which we wanted to check that is by looking at uh, um, changes in neuronal regulation, regulation in genes, in gene regulation in neurons over differentiation time. So basically what we wanted to do is we wanted to look at neurons from non-human primates and that we use rhesus, gorilla, uh, chimpanzees, bonobos compared to humans. And we wanted to see what were the genes, what were the differences in, in gene expression that were unique to humans. 
So again, we did the same uh, differentiation process that we did before, so we made neurons, and then we looked at uh, those different species in comparison, and we want to look at uh, principal component analysis with the previous uh, uh, talk, and I talked about that too. So it's a way in which you, you reduce all the information of the one individual in one dot. So each dot represents one uh, uh, um, individual at one condition. So what this is showing us is that um, in Prismo components place, uh, we can reproduce phylogeny in that, uh, it, just by looking at uh, gene expression, which is really important for us because it means that what we have in culture, to some extent, uh, reproduces what we have in vivo uh, because humans are clustering with humans, so that's the green dots. Chimpanzees and bonobos are clustering together, and chimpanzees are clustering together. And rhesus monkeys clustering together too. So in, in general terms, our principal component analysis is separating species uh, by phylogeny. Um, then we wanted to, we still wanted to ask what was unique to humans. So we performed the weighted correlation network analysis, which is a type of analysis that identify the top uh, uh, upregulated genes in human specific networks. And one of our top genes uh, that we detected that was specifically differentially regulated in human during differenti neuronal differentiation is called GATA3. And this is just a, a, an example of how the, the GATA3 expression is happening over time. It's starting at lower, so that's a neuroprogenitors, that's the baby neurons. And when the neurons start differentiating, GATA3 goes up and stays up. But only in the green, which are neurons, the other ones, uh, uh, the other species, that gene is not uh, regulating. So um, GATA3 is correlated with genes that are uniquely uh, regulated in humans. GATA3 gene is a zinc finger and is a pioneer transcription factor. So it's one of those genes that can bind to the DNA and to many uh, 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 locations in the DNA and, and change uh, a lot of what the cell is doing. So those are usually um, genes that can do a lot of change and can change the fate of, of cells. So we thought this would be an interesting gene to look a little bit further. And uh, we confirmed that the genes was expressed in humans and was not present in uh, 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 the other non-human primates. And we also uh, looked at the expression in uh, using the uh, Allen Brain Atlas uh, samples, uh, which has brain samples from humans and rhesus monkeys at that time. And what we also noticed is that the, there is an increase here in red of an expression of GATA3 uh, in, in human brains compared to rhesus to macaque brains uh, at the um, um, intermediate zone, which is developing uh, area in the brain. So we confirmed that both in vitro and in vivo, this is also true, that GATA3 is upregulated in humans. We uh, then wanted to know, since uh, GATA3 is a transcription factor, it binds to the DNA, we wanted to know if it was binding to specific regions that were, uh, for any uh, um, reason in humans, were evolving more, uh, um, were, were more uh, differentially uh, uh, mutated in humans. So this would indicate that um, those areas could be the other three might be binding to areas that are accelerating in humans, in human genome. 
And to do that, we performed a technique called chromatin uh, immune precipitation, followed by sequencing. So what we do, the, what this, this technique does is you're, we're able to um, treat the cells with GATA3. So GATA3 would bind to specific areas in the, in the genome, and then we can sequence the areas where GATA3 is binding. And what we can get from there is what what DNA areas this transcription factor is binding, and how, what are, how, are they, how they look like if you compare them to the genome of chimpanzees, for instance. So when we do that, we uh, confirm that GATA3 binding sites in human neurons are under positive selection. And what that means is GATA3 is binding to areas in the human genome that are not present in chimpanzee genome. So that um, tells us that this can be an important gene in human um, development, for instance. Um, so GATA3 bind to unique sites in the humans that are uh, under positive selection. Then our question was, okay, if GATA3 is really important, uh, what happens if I decrease expression of GATA3, what we call knockdown? So if we remove or if we decrease GATA3 presence during, neuronal, during human neuronal differentiation, what happens? So that's a, 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 a traditional thing that molecular biologists would do. They would do gain a loss of function. And what we do that, uh, you see here in black, when you remove GATA3, the, the transcription profile in principal component space changes. So, and we're comparing here black uh, triangles with uh, green triangles. What that means is um, when we collapse that uh, uh, graph, you can see here that uh, um, both green and gray bars are um, GATA3, when, what happens when GATA3 is present? When GATA3 is absent, what happens is black, which means there is a uh, um, change in the profile of what now are, uh, the cells are expressing to levels that are now, look, similar to um, chimpanzees. So the transcriptional profile changes of a cell that don't have GATA3 to being similar to a chimpanzee cell. Uh, and this is just an example of a gene that is changing. And that's a gene related to neuronal differentiation. We, we can, uh, uh, um, there are other genes too. Uh, so GATA3 regulates a component of transcription that distinguishes human neurons from uh, chimpanzees. And uh, the other thing that we noticed, and I'm just going to show this, uh, 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 my last uh, uh, data slide, um, when you do this, we remove GATA3, you increase the activity of the neurons to earlier times that they were before. So that means that now neurons are behaving, the human neurons are behaving neotenically. So they are getting active earlier than they would if they had GATA3. Now they are closer to chimpanzee neurons. So GATA3 acts to delay the maturity of action potential. So when you remove GATA3, neurons become uh, similar to uh, chimpanzee neurons. So 
Um, so I talked about my conclusions in GATA3. In summary, uh, it acts to delay the maturity of spontaneous uh, action potentials, which is a key uh, aspect of human neoteny. And we think that uh, you can, we can use this technology, human-induced prepotent stem cells, as a tool to study human-unique characteristics that can uh, um, have a potential evolutionary impact. And with that, I just want to thank... Um, you all for coming, and also um, my uh, collaborators, uh, Rusty, Krishnan, and Katerina, and uh, everybody else that work. It takes a village. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.